This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Real quick, my mom is doing okay. Uh, I'd like to say she's fine, but at 83, you know, that's relative. But she's doing better. She's at home. Uh, she's uh, getting in-home care to get her rehab stuff done from her other procedures and problems uh, and uh, dealing with the medications and all that. So she's doing okay. All right? Okay. So unless anything else happens, I think that'll be the last report on my mom until something else else happens, (laughs) something else. But she's she's okay. Thanks for asking. Uh, Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's, Let's open up the tales from the janitor's closet. I haven't done one of these in a while. It's been... um, it's been two days since, uh, as I record this, uh, since uh, the uh, uh, since the last time I had to clean poop off a carpet in one of our uh, uh, properties. It's been two days. <laughs> um, long-time listeners to the show will remember that I told the story uh, rather disgusting. I hope you're not eating. Uh, story about something that had happened, I think, about four or five years ago now. Maybe not that long, but a while ago. Uh, I got to work in the morning one day, and uh, there was a phone call right away from a customer. Oh, those are almost always bad. You don't want to hear from the customer right away in the morning. That's You don't want to. Uh, it's, it's rarely they call you that early in the morning, you know, right as you get to the office and call you right after nine o'clock or even before nine o'clock and it, before I get there and they say, please call me as soon as you get there. It's rarely to say, hey, you guys are doing terrific. It's usually because something's happened. Well, um, that morning I got a call from the customer. I'll briefly retell the story just because it's so gross. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I got a call from the customer, the manager of uh, this uh, business that uh, we take, whose building we take care of, and uh, she said, uh, "There's, uh, we're pretty sure it's fecal matter on the carpet. Can you come out and clean it up?" And I said, "I'll be out there right away." So I grabbed a bunch of cleaning stuff, brought it out. Sure enough, it was, it was fecal matter. Uh, it uh, had been walked through and stepped around the carpet. And uh, and I I got down on my hands and knees and cleaned and cleaned and I had uh, I had received quite the uh, uh, reading of the riot act from the manager of this uh, business and you know and she was not happy 
that uh, our cleaner could have missed something so obvious and not cleaned it up. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, well, it turns out that uh, <clears throat> inside the building there's security cameras all over the place, and she was able to find the camera showing that part of the uh, of the office and uh, she determined that uh, it was in fact our cleaner who left the poop on the carpet now he did not do it on purpose it was an accident he was we wearing rather loose fitting shorts you know with the big wide legs and uh, he said later when I talked to him about it, he thought, oh, I thought that was just a wet fart. Uh, you can see him in the video. You can see the material show up on the carpet. <laughs> it wasn't there before he walked into view. It was there as, as after he walked past the spot. And uh, he was vacuuming. And then he backed up, stepped in it, walked it around. He had no idea. No idea he had done it. Uh, anyway, so... Um, yeah, that's I cleaned it up. Uh, actually, uh, we they ended up having to replace some of the carpet. It's it's those tile carpet tiles, so they can pop out the old tiles and put in some new ones in case they get too too badly damaged or something. And so they did that, and we had to pay a little. You know, the business had to pay for the labor and stuff and all that. Of course, we had to take the cleaner out of that building. We did end up putting him in another one. Um. Uh, because he was a good cleaner, it's just that he had an accident and didn't realize what had happened. He just, it just, it was an accident. It wasn't something, he wasn't making a statement or anything. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, and to be fair to the customer, I mean, why would you be happy with such a thing? Of course you'd be upset. But she, she did call and talk to me a day or two later and apologize to me for being so uh, upset with me. Or, or, or taking out her upset about the situation on me. She said, it wasn't your fault. You know, you came out to clean it up and all that. So I'm really sorry. And I said, hey, I understand. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's not something you expect from your cleaning service. I understand. Uh, so, as I said, uh, now it's been two days since I've had to clean poop on the carpet in one of our properties that we clean. Now, I've worked for the janitorial service that I work for for the better part of 31 years. I've been the office manager for 12 or 13 years, but uh, uh, otherwise, uh, before that, uh, working as a janitor, as a fill-in person, as a project person, as a, as a supervisor, I've done that work. And I still clean a little bit here and there, uh, well, regularly, I should say, each week, and I still supervise a bit, but there it is. Now, <clears throat> One day a month, I take care of a property. It's just one night a month, and it's the first Wednesday of every month. And I, you know, I, I email the customer in, in, in earlier in that day saying I'm coming out to clean, and they say great. And I tell them approximately what time I think I'll get there. Not that that really matters to them, but and I come out and clean the place. And it's you know it's 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 not too big. Uh, it's two thirds of it is production areas and um, uh, a mail room with a lunch a loft area for a break room kind of thing, and then one third of it is an office area. So the two thirds that have the production and the mail room and that that's all painted floor, but the office area that has carpet, and in there is it's a big open reception area with a conference room and three offices off of it and uh, so the biggest office 
was the, I assumed to be the boss's office. I head in there to do my cleaning, and uh, and I have a barrel that I wheel around with me that's got my stuff that I need on it, and I throw the trash in the barrel, and I, I wheel that into the into the office, and then I grab the duster off of there, and that's the first thing I do, and I do a perimeter around the room, dusting whatever needs to be dusted, and go back to the, you know, put the duster away, and then grab the trash, and see if there's anything that needs to be wiped down or anything like that, and if not, I leave, and then come back later and vacuum. Well, I must have walked by the, uh, the material at least twice before I noticed it there on the floor. And thankfully, I did not walk in it, and I didn't roll the, the, the brute, well, that's, uh, or the barrel, uh, brute is a, um, is a specific name that uh, Rubbermaid gives their barrels. They call them brutes. Um, so I didn't, I didn't wheel that across it, so I didn't spread it out. Uh, when I walked in the room, it didn't smell like shit. There was no, it was in the air, so I just, I didn't notice. But then when I did see it, it was like, oh, and it was, uh, I, you because know, I looked at it, and went, uh, what is that? Is that what I think that is? And the reason I thought that it's because it wasn't like, uh, like the kind of well, uh, poop that you will see, you know, out on your sidewalk or on the boulevard. I mean. It, I was pretty certain it was dog poop because there are signs in the office that a dog comes out there on occasion. There's a bowl for water for the dog and there's some dog toys in there. So I assume that you know somebody's bringing a dog in there once in a while and I'm pretty sure that was dog poop and it wasn't our employee coming over to the building to uh, have another accident. No, it was, it was dog poop and it, it was different than the dog poop that you generally see outside on, on your sidewalk or boulevard because uh, an irresponsible dog owner walked their dog and didn't bother picking it up when the dog took a crap or they didn't have enough bags with them the dog double dipped on them and pooped again when they didn't expect them to because they didn't think that they should bring more than one bag in case the dog pooped some more or maybe maybe it's an owner that doesn't know how to keep their dog in their yard so the dog gets out and goes around and poops in your yard well you can't blame the dog it's just doing what it's got to do it's a goddamn irresponsible owner that doesn't know how to take care of their dog you know that kind of poop and it looks like and uh, it, it looks like little tootsie rolls or bigger tootsie rolls <laughs> kids enjoy your candy but you, you know what i mean you know what it looks like well that's not what this looked like this looked like um uh, like like dairy queen soft serve if it was just allowed to plop on the floor except it wasn't white it had a you know a brownish gray hue to it but it was obvious that the dog did not have the it, 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 it may, well maybe it was having some gut troubles or something like that and that's why it didn't it, it manage to get outside to do its pooping i i'm i'm assuming the people that work there didn't realize the dog had done that I, i'm making that assumption and i didn't talk to the customer about it at all I just I let, I let it go. I, I mentioned it to the boss today. Should I say something to him? And he says, Nah, just let it. You know, let it go. And uh, and so uh, so there's this plop of stuff on there. And you don't. If it was like a normal dog poop, that would be better because be there would be less contact with the carpet. But because it was this diuretic uh, or diarrhea-like 
I'm just making up the diuretic word because it's another word from something else. But because it was like diarrhea, but it was all in one big plop, a lot of contact with the carpet. And so, well, I cleaned it up. And in the process of cleaning it up, I activated the, the molecules that caused the smell. <laughs> so if I had any doubt as to what it was, it was erased while I was cleaning it up. And I, I doused that spot. Once I got all the uh, as much of it off as I could, I doused that spot with uh, with a multi-purpose cleaner that we have that's safe on the carpet and all that. So I and I clean it and I daub it and clean it and wipe it and daub it and spray it and do it and you know just over and over and over until I think I got as much of it out as I could. And then I went and got a, a, a deodorizer can spray thing that they have in their in their restrooms I brought that in and I sprayed the spot on the carpet pretty heavily and then sprayed around the office just to kill the odor so uh, the next day I didn't hear anything about anybody and I guess a, a month from now when I go back I'll look and see if the spot is is there I'll, I'll try to remember to bring in some carpet spotter uh, must have run out from before or neglected to bring some out because I couldn't find any in the place so I'll bring it out next time, and, and if it needs to be hit, I'll hit it with that, and hopefully that'll help. But otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's twice now <laughs> that I've had to clean poop off a carpet in uh, in one of the properties that we clean. I've had to clean poop that off of uh, off a bathroom wall uh, because uh, somebody had was upset with uh, someone in the building and grabbed out a diaper out of the trash and opened it up and smeared the uh, contents on the wall <laughs> I got to do that and then there's the then there's kind of the the uh, the everyday poop stuff that you have to deal with because uh, every now and then you have a property that has a uh, one or two employees that don't get enough fiber in their diet they tend to spray <laughs> yeah. yeah hey but at least it at least the pay sucks <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Pretty gross. Sorry. Sorry it's so gross. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break to let you guys uh, uh, wash the impressions of what I talked about out of your minds. <laughs> Sorry, but hey, you know, somebody's got to do it. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll be back after I take a little break here and and try to try to get the image out of my mind.
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. If this station's not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. I thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Personally, I'd advise drinking beer. I don't like coffee or tea. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Oh, you kind of stuttered there. What is that? Well, you know that sounder. That's the ARG, the Dimland Radio ARG. That means I'm about to go on a, a bit of a rant um, and about something that's really bugging me. Uh, but I'm also going to kind of tie this into the logical fallacy of, uh, of slippery slope. So, uh, uh, but, it, but it has to do with baseball. And I know my friend Craig is now just starting to, to press the fast-forward button, but don't! Because I, I, that's why I said I'm, I'm going to tie it in a little bit with slippery slope. But, you see, there is a logical fallacy that is slippery slope. And that's the, the idea that, uh, boy, you know, if we let this happen, then, you know, then this is going to happen. And if that happens, then, you know, this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And each each this is going to happen uh, uh, step is a little bigger, a little more outrageous, or a little worse and worse and worse until, you know, until it's the most terrible thing in the world. Whatever that is. And usually that's a fallacy because we don't know that a is going to lead to B, going to lead to C, going to lead to D, and it's this. This we don't know that the slope is real. We don't know that that's going to happen. You're making certain assumptions about things, and so you know it's it doesn't always work out that way. So this, however, I think is kind of showing that there is a slippery slope here. <laughs> See what you think, and this. This bothers me. Uh, and it has to do with baseball on television. Uh, it, and it, so it's, it's, it's in the old days of sports on television, you would get an interview with, uh, with the, the, the head coach, or in baseball, the manager, and, uh, and the players, 
and maybe other coaches, you would get interviews with them before the game and after the game. You wouldn't, there wouldn't be, you know, anything else. It'd be just before the game and after the game. And usually in sports, it's all just cliches anyway. <laughs> There's not a lot of insight. Well, you know, if we we play our A game, we'll we'll you know we should be able to beat these guys, and we'll just uh, you know we got a, a strong defense, and we'll just keep you know step up and do it. You know, it's like cliche stuff, and and they like to athletes like to speak in a drone. Uh, you know, they talk like this for some reason. I don't know why they talk like this. It's just you know I can understand it after a loss. They might be a little down, but they even talk this way after a win, unless it's a really big win, and then they're very excited about it, and they're all crazy. They, you know, like they won the World Series or something. Then they change. But usually, when an athlete is talked to, you just pay attention to that. When you hear them, there's a lot of I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. Have a little inflection in your voice. <laughs> Maybe they just don't want to do it, and and that's just uh, the way they sound. Okay, so it used to be before and after the game, and a lot of times, eh. Eh, you're not getting the greatest insight. Sometimes you get some colorful people that uh, just have a way of, of just saying stuff, even though they might still be cliches. It might be interesting. But that's the way it was for years and years. And then the television people started thinking, how can we annoy the hell out of Jim Fitzsimmons? No, how can we give the viewer... Uh, more access, more coverage, more. How can we do that? What can we do? So what they would just, what they would do then? Uh, they got the, they got. Uh, 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 usually the games are called by by two people. Uh, there's the there's the guy that's the the main announcer. And they're generally men, although there's been some women showing up in the uh, in the, in the booth uh, to, to call games, and I like that. It's kind of nice to hear a woman's voice here and there watching baseball. It's kind of nice. Jessica Mendoza, she, I like listening to her. So, uh, but, okay, so, the, so now, uh, so it's usually two guys. One guy that does, mainly does the play-by-play -play calling, might talk about some history stuff of the game, or might talk about some other background stuff a little bit here and there, and set up the other guy, and again, it's usually a guy, set that person up to do, be the color analyst. They're, they usually played the game, so they have that inside knowledge, uh, that first-hand knowledge of how the game goes and how they would handle things, and so they, they can give you that. And if they're good at it, it can really add to the enjoyment of the game. A lot of times they're not great, the, the two call, the guys calling, so you just sort of just tune them out, but, you know, but they're there. But then what they did... Uh, to, to coverage, they get a third person involved. Uh, sometimes there's a, there are three people sitting in a booth, but this you, but this third person is somebody that has a place in the stands down by the field, and they'll go to that person because then that person what they'll do is they'll go around from dugout to dugout and get some information and, and from the teams, and they'll you know relay information. Like, like if somebody got hurt and they, they take it into the locker rooms, that person will get, try to get the information as to what, what happened and how they got hurt and what, what it was. Is it their you know, ankle? Was it the knee? Whatever. And they start to add some information to it. So that person's there. Hey, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But then it started to get worse. 
here's what's began happening and all that long ago now I don't know if I have it all in the perfect chronology as to what happened for at what point but this is this there's a progression here they started talking to the managers of the baseball games you know of the teams now that's what they call the head coach of a baseball team they call him a manager so they would talk to the manager except what they would do is they would talk to the manager between the innings so the manager's mind is not taken off the game as the game is being played. It's in the break between innings, and they only talk to him for about a minute or so. They, they ask their questions. They get some answers. They, you know, they get it all on video. And then when the game resumes, when it comes out of commercial break, the game resumes, at some point they play that little interview. And they'll put a inside, you know, picture in picture where they've got the game. You can still see the game going on, but you can see the manager talking. And sometimes they they put the full screen to the manager. Sometimes they put the full screen to the game, and you hear the voiceover of the manager. But that's you know they just cut and cut and paste like that. So they did that. That was that was the first. That was I don't know if that was the first thing they did, but that was one thing they did. And they started talking to the managers, but it was between innings. And, and I'm not sure if this happened before that, but but another thing they did was they would put a microphone on one of the players, and they would and they would be eavesdropping on that player throughout the game. Usually, what they would do is they would they would have somebody whose job was to find those interesting moments. And then at some point later in the game, they would play the tape back. And you would hear the player talking to, he's, he's a first baseman or something, and you'd hear him talking to the, the, opponent, the, the opposing player who just got a hit and is on that base, and they talk a little bit. Or you hear somebody talk to the umpire. Or you hear somebody just say something funny out in the outfield or something. And that's what you get. So you, you're getting more inside. Ooh, you're in the dugout now talking to the manager. It's in the break. But you're talking to the manager. Oh, and you you get to hear what the players are saying on the field, or at least one player is saying on the field. And I'm watching at home, thinking, I don't like this. I don't like where it's going. What's next? What's going to happen next? Well, then, then they figured, hey, you know what we could do? We could interview one of the pitchers that's in the dugout. They're not playing that day. They pitched the game the day before or they're pitching the game uh, that's coming up the next day. So they're not going to be involved in the game. They're just watching like the fans. They're just sitting there watching. So put a headphones on them and a microphone on them and let's talk to them while the game is being played. So we'll do that. So, I mean, we're not taking a player's mind off the game. We're not, you know, we're not intruding that way. What we're doing is we're talking to a player who isn't playing in that current game, and we're getting their insights on what's going on in the game, or we're getting their insights on what they're thinking about uh, how they performed the day before, or what they're planning on doing the next day facing the team, you know, their, their, their opponents. We're getting that. Ooh, we're getting inside. We're getting deeper inside. We're in the dugout talking to a player while the game is being played and I sit at home watching this and saying I don't like that I don't like where this is going so then then they convince the managers saying hey let us talk to you while the game's going We'll, we'll stop this between innings thing. We'll just talk to you during the game. Is that okay? Can we do that? When they first started talking to the managers in between the innings, 
the hosts, uh, the announcers or whatever do the talking to them, they would be so thankful. Oh, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they're still thankful, very grateful, but still. It's now, now we're intruding into the game on the manager who is supposed to be managing the game. He's supposed to be paying attention to what's going on. So now they talk to him. They don't talk to him for a long time, but long enough. And they're, I'm not getting anything... I don't care. And I'm sitting here at home watching this and I'm thinking, what are they going to do next? Why are they intruding in the game? So then, during an all-star game a year or two ago, they mic'd up a player who was playing the game. You know, he's, he's in the field. He's playing. The game is going on. It's not between innings. He's not sitting in the dugout. He is on the field. He's playing. And they're talking to them. They're talking to that player. But it's just the All-Star game. The All-Star game is just an exhibition game. For a while there, the All-Star game counted because there was a game that ended up tied after many, many innings. It went like 15 innings or whatever it went. And then the commissioner said, now nah, we'll just call the game off. We'll call it a tie. And that really upset the fans. So then baseball decided, okay, let's make the All-Star games count for something. So what they decided to do was in an All-Star game, you get the National League team playing the American League team. Those are the two leagues that are part of the Major League you know, of Major League Baseball, we get them, those two teams playing each other. Whichever team wins the All-Star game, that uh, league gets home field advantage when it comes to the World Series. So there's a reason, there's, there's a, they're playing for something. Up for years and years before that, for, the, for, all, for all the time that the All-Star game existed before that, it was just an exhibition game, didn't count for anything. The, the, the number of hits or home runs hit or anything didn't count into the records of the, of the players. It was, it's just an exhibition thing. You know, please, no wagering. And, and, and it didn't count for anything. The way they did the, the, uh, the which team had home field advantage was uh, odd years where the American League team had it, even years National League had it. So then, for a while, they had the All-Star game the winner of that determining it. Now, then, this was just a, like three, four years ago, something like that. Uh, the the league decided let's let's make the All Star game an exhibition game again. Let's just put it back to exhibition. And what we're going to do to determine who gets home field advantages, it's it's based on regular season records. So whichever of the two teams that make it to the World Series has the better regular season record, that team gets home field advantage. So the All-Star Game's an exhibition game again. It doesn't count. It's supposed to be just for funsies and whatever. So, so okay, sure. Let's just talk to a player while it's in the All-Star Game. What can what can what could be wrong with that? And I watched that and I went, okay. And he's, and you can see how this is slippery slope. You know. It was before and after the game. Then it was between innings. Then it was eavesdropping on a player. Then it was talking to a player that's not participating in that particular game. Then it's convincing the managers to talk to them during the game. Now we've got a player mic'd up during the All-Star game. Well, what happened last Sunday? Sunday night, I put on. Uh, Amy and I were watching the All-Star game. Not the All-Star game. The game on ESPN, the, uh, the Sunday night game that they put on each week. And it was a game between the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. 
And the game starts out, and we hear from the announcers, uh, Matt Vespurgeon and the color guy, um, the color guy, <laughs> color, color anal analysis. I'm not saying, yeah, no, no, it's just they provide color for the, for the game, okay? <laughs> I just want to make it clear that's what I said. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, former player, he, you know, does the analysis and provides color for the game. So the two of them are very excited because what's going to happen in this regular season game, a game that counts, and especially in a season this short, 60 games, the games count a bit more because there's, there's so much fewer games. There's 102 fewer games in a regular season. So, you know, every win counts. And so... This is a regular season game, and they're excited because they got two players, one from each team, mic'd up with an earpiece in so they can talk to them during the game. The player that they had for the Atlanta Braves was Ronald Alcuna Jr., and the player they had for, uh, for uh, Philadelphia Phillies was Bryce Harper. And Alex Rodriguez was especially excited to be able to talk to Alcuna because Alcuna and, and Rodriguez are both you know, fellows that speak Spanish. So he, you know, Rodriguez, you know, A Rod is looking forward to talking Spanish with him, you know, it's, and, and then translating for the audience and all that. He's oh, they're all excited. Oh, we got him mic'd up. So the first chance they got to talk to one of the players, it was uh, it was Alcuna Jr. I think he had just worked a walk, and he was going to first base, and Rodriguez starts talking to him. Talking to him in English a little bit, talking to him in Spanish. And at one, it was just a half a second acknowledgement. There was a, just a, like, almost like a grunt, like a, uh-huh, said by Alcuna, uh, Alcuna Jr. He's, he's just a little, uh-huh, and then he didn't say another word. Alex Rodriguez keeps talking to him, keeps trying to get a response, doesn't get a response. I don't know if it was technical failures or if the player decided this is bullshit and I'm not doing this. I'm playing the game. I want to concentrate on what I got to do here. He's standing on first base. He's getting, you know, he's getting information from his first base coach. He's, you know, he says he doesn't need this. Maybe that was it, or maybe he just couldn't hear him. I don't know. But for the rest of the game, they didn't talk to him or even mention that they had him mic'd up. But on the other team, the Phillies, Bryce Harper, who's a big superstar in the game, uh, he talked to them. So he would be, you know, they had a second inning. Uh, the, the top of the second, the Atlanta Braves scored 10 runs. They were leading 10 to nothing over the Phillies. And in the bottom of that inning, Bryce Harper's in the dugout. So they're talking to him in the dugout and say, wow, you know, when you get when you, when your team goes up 10 runs like that, how do you guys uh, keep yourselves motivated? How do you look at this? And so he starts to answer. And he's saying all the cliche stuff. Well, you just take it one bat at a time. And you just, you know, don't try not to get too worried about it. And you just keep working on it. Well, you just keep working on it. And you try to do it. But, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm just sitting at home thinking, why am I hearing this? Why? Do, what, what, why? Why is this happening? And... I mean, what did you expect him to say? He said, "Well, you know, when you get a, you get behind this far, we just let it slide from there. We give up." No, of course he's not going to say that. Turns out the Phillies did make a game of it. I think they still lost the score to eleven to eleven or twelve to eight. 
they did manage to score eight runs. Uh, and it, so it got kind of close there for a little bit, but then uh, the Braves got a couple more runs to kind of push it, uh, push the distance a bit more. And the end, and the Phillies ended up losing. So okay, so he talks to them in the dugout. He's waiting for his at bat, and then, and then he would talk to him when he was out in the field. You know, he's he, and he's he's trying to pay attention to the game. You can see him keeping an eye on on the pitcher. And he's watching. He's waiting for the pitch. And when the pitch is happening, he quiets down and just looks in. And then he keeps. And then he'll talk after the pitch is delivered and nobody gets a hit or it's a strike or a ball or something like that. And he relaxes. And but then you can see he keeps paying attention. And then at one point, somebody hit the ball out to him. He's out in right field. They hit the ball out, and he says, "Okay, guys, hang on." And they say, "Oh, yeah, you got to catch the ball." So he runs out and catches the ball, and then he throws it back in. And then you know, and then, they, and then the conversation continues. And again, I'm sitting here at home fuming. Why is this happening? Why? <laughs> and it's and and, and then uh, one point, and I give this a point to Harper. I give him one point. He was uh, getting ready to bat, and he's in the on-deck circle. So that means that he's the next batter up. So there's a guy already hitting at this point, and he's so uh, Harper's got he's up there with a the bat and he's swinging it around to, to sort of loosen up and he's looking at the pitch, you know what's going on in the game. He's paying attention there, and the announcers start talking to him, saying, "Okay, now are you know are you how do you approach this? Do you do you uh, have in mind what the pitcher might do for you, or do you watch what's going on? Do you observe? How do you uh, get yourself ready for uh, going into the, to, to hit?" And Harper doesn't say a word. Now he might have just been ignoring him. Maybe he took the earpiece out or something. I don't know why he didn't say a word at that point. Uh, the main announcer, I think Matt, says, I think we got our answer. Because he doesn't say anything. Because at that point, he's concentrating on the game. And I'm saying, of course, let the guys play the game. Leave them alone. <laughs> They're not giving us anything deeper. We're not learning anymore. And you know what bothers me about this? What really bothers me is that the announcers are now, be are now becoming part of the game. They are intruding on the game. Yes, they're part of the game as far as calling it and making, you know, trying to make that uh, that part of it uh, where you you know you understand the game better and all that kind of stuff. Sure, that's that's part that's their job. But now they're they're pushing their way into the game. So I wonder, will the slippery slope continue? And this happens every game. And will the slippery slope continue even more where they're talking to the pitcher? Well, what pitch are you going to throw this time? And they're talking to the batter. What do you think you're going to get? What do you think? Is he going to pitch inside? Is he going to go to a breaking ball? Are you looking for a fastball here? What are you doing? You know, it's like, leave them alone. Let them play the game. You know, I, I, you know, there's an old saying that uh, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and re remove all doubt. And I think that's there's a little bit of that there. I'd rather not know. You know, I, I'd rather keep a certain magic to the game. That the game is just it's it's unfolding in front of me, and I don't need to have that kind of detail. I don't need that access. And just stop it. Stop talking to them. <laughs> Leave them alone. Let them play the game. <sighs> okay. I'm going to hose off now and take my next break. <laughs> You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'll be right back. Whew, it got warm in here. People talk to 
those other guys. The Finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. The Earth is only 6,000 years old. That's what Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum say. And how can a museum be wrong? Isn't Dr. Oz just wonderful? I love today's episode. It didn't talk down to his adoring audience of women at all. Science has proved that the subatomic quantum realm is as real as it is counterintuitive and bizarre. Therefore, I can use it to support quantum healing and quantum consciousness. After all, how can journals like Aquarius Metaphysics be wrong? Evolution is just a theory. After all, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Guerrilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and alt-med claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please join us. All you need is a PC and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, I hope so. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'm about to have a kind of complicated pedantic moment. All right, it's, it's got some layers to it. And you know, uh, let's just see how this works out. Uh, on Facebook, I have been uh, doing a 30-day... Uh, song challenge just started it a couple days ago uh, and the first day it's it's you know each day I find I find something on uh, on you know go through a Google image search for 30 day song challenge and people put together some some meme some chart whatever and each day they give you a little prompt to come up with a song that that fulfills that prompt uh, the, the 30 days prior to that, I was doing a movie challenge uh, each day, so I post something about a movie. So, well, this time I'm posting songs, and uh, the first day was uh, a song with a color in the title. Well, you know me. <laughs> I of course went with "Behind Blue Eyes" 
by The Who, because The Who is my favorite band, and I figured, let's start with something obvious, let's start with The Who, and then uh, I, what my plan is for the month is to use uh, artists just once throughout the month. So that's the, that's the last Who song that will be uh, in the main post each day. That's the first and last. However, <laughs> I will, in the first comment, after I post it, I will put in the first comment the, the, uh, the song that would be the, the Who uh, equivalent for that day. Uh, for instance, day two was to uh, put a song up that has a number in the title. And I put the song uh, by the band Wire, uh, I put the song 12XU, uh, and I put a link, YouTube link, so that you can go and listen to the song and see how cool it is. Uh, and then the first comment, I put a Who song in there. So there's a Who bonus. Uh, and there's uh, the song I put in there is uh, uh, the song written by John Entwistle called 905, which is off of their album Who Are You, which was the last true Who album where all the you know original four members, uh, John Entwistle, Keith Moon, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, are all on that album. You know, that's the last time Keith Moon died within a couple of months after that album was released. And so, you know, it's just so, it's, okay, all right. So, I put the Behind Blue Eyes for a color. And then a Facebook friend says, Would Whiter Shade of Pale by Procol Harum count? And I said, sure. Well, here's where the pedantry came in. And it wasn't from me. <laughs> I was willing to say, yeah, fine, good enough. You know, among friends, sure, let's go. But I had one of the, one of the Minnesota skeptics came in and said, and gave the, uh, it actually said, pedantic moment ahead. Forgot to say warning. Well, that's what I say when I, when, that's what I put anytime on social media when I do a pedantic moment. Either it's a comment that's pedantic or I set up, uh, put a post that's pedantic. I write, warning, pedantic moment ahead. I warn people. That way, if anybody has some problem with the fact that I'm being pedantic, I say, hey, I warned you. So, uh, uh, this person came in and said, pedantic moment ahead, and then proceeded to explain that uh, essentially white is all the colors. It's not a color, it's all the colors. Because in light, you know, you, you know the album cover for Dark Side of the Moon, where it shows a beam of white light going into a prism, and on the other side of the prism, it shows a rainbow colors coming out. So that's, you know, white light has all those visible colors in there, and, and I guess the other colors as well that we can't see are in there, but, you know, we can only see the, you know, red, uh, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and, and violet. We can only see those colors, but it's all the colors. And, it's, and, I, and it's so, so technically, it's not a color. It's yeah. It's white isn't a color, and I so. But I said, yeah, well, you know, that's if you're looking at light. If you're looking at pigment, like if you've got white paint, that means there's no pigment in it. It's 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 it lacks the pigment. It has no color in it, other than white. But white's not a color. <laughs> so you could you could get into that kind of thing. 
but I said, but no, 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 no. It's 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 a color. White, and then same thing with black. Black is the lack of color when you're talking about light. There's 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 no color there. And if you're talking about pigment, it's a it's a heck of a lot of color, I guess. I, I don't know. I. I'm, I'm, I'm not pedantic enough to know for sure on this, <laughs> the pigment kind of thing. But I just, you know, I just said, look, I'm going colloquially what color means. It's a color. You know, if you have a car and it's, it's white and somebody asks you what color is your car, you're not going to say, well, it's all the colors. You're going to say white. If somebody asks me what is the color of the shirt that you're wearing, I will say it's black. I'm not going to say it's the absence of color. <laughs> it's black. Those are colors. So, okay. And then, then there's the Crayola crayon test. You know the 64 set of crayons. Now I don't know how it is today with kids, but when I was a kid, that was a, that was an item that was just uh, uh, drooled for. We wanted our a 64 crayon set, not just because it had 64 crayons in it, but because Crayola and their package they uh, they they put a, a sharpener in there so you could sharpen the crayons and the little there was a little uh, uh, a little uh, compartment on the bottom of the box at the back of it and you put the sharpener in there and you could open up the flap on the bottom there and let all those shaving bits come out and you and they'd make this cool mosaic of color from what you you know from the shavings of the uh, of the crayons and that was cool but okay so you get a set of 64 crayons Included in those crayons is a white crayon and a black crayon. It says white on the little paper wrapper on there, on the white one, and it says black on the little black crayon, you know, the paper wrapper on that one. So they are included in the 64. It's not 66 crayons and 64, you know, with two black and white being the, the outliers because they're not colors, and then everything else is going, no, no, no. If the two are included with the 64. If it's good enough for Crayola Crayon, it's good enough for me. Black and white are colors. But then, <laughs> and this is where it's kind of complicated. We do have color photography in films and black and white photography in films. <laughs> oh, you know, pedantry can just snap your brain sometimes if you let it. It can really can, but then whiter, as in whiter shade of, shade of pale, whiter isn't a color. It's it's an adjective. It's not it's not a noun. It's is that how is that? It's whiter than than a sheet of paper. Whiter than snow. Whiter than my teeth, which a lot of things are whiter than my teeth, <laughs> which it should be. I can't stand it when people get their teeth way white it's just it's just wrong they look wrong you look wrong you shouldn't be that teeth should be a little bit yellow they should be that way that's how that's how god intended it <laughs> anyway so yeah but whiter okay fine like i said among friends it's okay uh, i'm going to steal a little thunder from george Robb here 
because this is going to lead me to talk about a, a little bit about something else and do a little something here, and hopefully I have enough time to pull it off. Okay. Um, on a recent episode of George Robb's uh, podcast, the Geologic Podcast, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. You go to dimland.com, click on the show notes, and you'll find my show notes and my links there. Last week, I spent two hours writing up the show notes, you know, expanding on some things and making sure all the links are there and everything. And I went to publish it, and I must have done something wrong, and it just disappeared. It was gone. It was gone. So I had to redo the whole damn thing, and that time I did it, I just really briefly did each thing and maybe said a little bit more about one of the topics, but pretty much just, I talked about this topic, here's a link. <laughs> That's pretty much what I did last week. Uh, and that took an hour. It's like, for Pete's sake, I thought I had everything done. Uh, you know, what the, th the stuff I do for you, the listener. Because if you're not checking out the show notes, you're not getting the full benefit of the show. You should check out the show notes because it's got the links and all that stuff to go to. And, and, and every song that I play, or most every song that I play in the bumpers, there are links to those songs. If you're interested in hearing the full song, follow the links. They're right there. Well, anyway, George Robb, uh, on a, a couple of shows ago, he was talking about uh, essentially how uh, the attitudes are different among the old school musicians out there, the guys that made their their bones in music in the in the 70s and 80s and made a lot of money. Uh, there's one of them being Don Henley, the other being Phil Collins. Now Don Henley jealously guards his copyright. He has people that he's hired to scour the internet, YouTube especially, to make certain that none, no Don Henley songs. Eagle songs or his solo songs are on YouTube, or you know that they're they're not. There are no unauthorized uh, instances of these songs being out there. He does he he jealously jealously guards that the copyright that he has, whereas Phil Collins doesn't seem to mind. Uh, uh, Geo tells you about how you know it's they're demonetized, so that means that the YouTuber can't make any money off of using a, a song by Phil Collins, and Phil Collins will get whatever money comes out from the advertising for that. He'll get it, but but he doesn't object to people using it. And we've been having these days lots and lots of reaction videos out there. The, a lot of younger people are looking back into older music or music that they didn't know and they're hearing it for the first time and they're they're videotaping themselves, I'm sorry, filming themselves, um, reacting to, uh, uh, to, to these songs. Sure, there may be some that are faking it, but the ones I've seen thus far seem pretty legit. I've seen Plenty of them listen to Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who, and I know that that loud shriek, yeah, coming up at the end of the song is coming, so I watch for that reaction. That's part of the joy of watching a reaction video is to, to know that there's something big ha going to happen, and that person listening to it isn't, doesn't know it's coming, and when it does, they just that reaction that they have is really fun. So Phil Collins has this song from 39 years ago, in the air tonight. Now, if you're my age or maybe just a little bit younger, you recognize that song. And that song has a slow, intent, not slow necessarily, but a quiet intensity to its beginning. It, it's a boil. It's just, it, you know, it, it's a quietly burning, tense, tension building 
beginning of the song, like two thirds of the song, and then it gets to that last third, and those drums come in. That comes in, and that just you know, it's it's great, right? And so there's these two kids. Uh, they're twin brothers. They're in their teens. They are listening to that song for the first time, and they're getting the reaction. And so you know, you if you know the song, you know what's coming. You know that that those drums are going to come in. That big drum sound, which Phil Collins was pretty much responsible for, the big '80s drum sound. That was possibly the first instance of it because they realized they could do something with the microphones or whatever and get this big drum sound. And then that became do, uh, do, the dominant sound of '80s music uh, for, for for the rest of that decade. So the kids are listening to it, and that thing happens, and they just freak out. They love it. Oh, they love the song coming up to it, but that part just really cemented that we were crazy. And the video went went viral. When George was talking about it, it had 6 million views. When I watched it after I listening to, listening to George talk about it, it had 7 million views. It went, it was crazy. So another benefit of that is, this is something Gio pointed out, he said, the song itself, the 39-year-old song, went to number two on, on iTunes for downloads. It became the second most downloaded song on iTunes for whatever time period it was, but right around there. It, it got all these new, you know, you, you got to know that a good portion of the viewers of these reaction videos and of that particular reaction video knew the song and knew, and were watching it just to see these kids react to that drum part. And then there's a whole bunch of other people watching it who never heard it before. And those people are saying, wow, that's a cool song. They go to iTunes and download it. New life to a song. A new audience for the song. Because Phil Collins isn't a dumbass when it comes to his music. He must figure he's made the money he's going to make off of that song. So, so what? So, so people react to it. Let him. And, but Don Henley, nope. Don't want that happening. So I stole a bit of Geo's thunder there, but I thought that was interesting, and I, I like these these reaction videos. I think they're fun. I think they're. Uh, I have not seen one that would be a negative reaction video yet, but uh, and I and I think <laughs> if uh, if I if I were to do reaction videos. Uh, I have a feeling I'd be a hard sell. I was thinking about it. You know, if my son, who's 17. Says, Dad, let's do these. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to these new songs that are coming out today, and uh, let's see what your reaction is. I have a feeling I'd be kind of, <laughs> There's some that he's played for me that I've liked, and I had a good reaction to, but uh, but we don't do reaction videos. But I mean, but we're in the car, and he plays. Well, he he pulls up his Spotify, and he plays something, and then he says, "What'd you think of that?" I said, "Yeah, I like that one." And so that it can happen. But I've not yet seen one where somebody just went, oh, no, not for me, that reaction. They've always liked them. There was one that got close. There's a married couple. They're in their 40s. They're white folks, <laughs> and husband and wife. And the husband is, 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 is showing this, his wife all this rock and pop music that she was never exposed to as a kid because her parents were extremely strict about that. She was trained in classical type music where she, she's, I think she's a musician he's a musician he does rock and rock music and she, but she's 
she's been sheltered away from the music. There might have been a little bit of religious reason why as well, but for whatever reasons, she didn't hear a lot of this stuff, so her husband is now showing her this music, and they, he played for her Behind Blue Eyes, which she liked. And Behind Blue Eyes has sort of that same thing that In, in the Air Tonight has. It has a, a kind of a low-key uh, tension at the for like two thirds of the song, and then it goes into a big bashing through. You know, if my fist clenches, crack it open before I use it and lose my cool. Uh, if I smile, tell me some bad news before I laugh and act like a fool. You know, it has that, and it's just going and then it goes back to that more quiet sense that the first two thirds of the song had, and then it goes, it's done. And she liked the song, but. She thought, is that it? It's over? She wanted more of the bashing part. She wanted more of a balance, like half of it being the slower part and then the other half being the bashing through. But they don't get that. I think the song's perfect as it is. But that's me. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a Who fan. What are you going to do? Good night, Sir Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to be skeptical and you're going to realize that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence uh you're going to be patient wash your hands wear a mask stay home stay safe and this is dimland radio on the ztalk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons reminding you to sleep with the lights off check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell. <laughs>